Voices of Colibri is led by Gabby Cárdenas, founder and CEO of the Colibri Collective. Listen along as Gabby invites integral members of our community to share their insights into today's most pressing topics in marketing, from women's empowerment to entrepreneurship, social and cultural awareness, politics, and more. The Colibri Collective is the first Latina-owned digital agency in Phoenix, Arizona. You can learn more about us at thecolibricollective.com. Welcome to Voices of Colibri. I'm Genevieve Leach, copywriter at the Calibri Collective, and welcome to the Voices of Calibri podcast. I'm taking over for Gabby today to speak with someone I personally admire, Nika Forte. So could you tell me a bit more like 101, like what role do bees have in our environment? Right. So bees play a major role in our environment. I believe it was Albert Einstein that said that once the honeybee dies, the humans only have four years of life left on this planet because they are so important to the pollination of our food, our plants, which give us oxygen um, and things like that. So bees pollinate about one third of everything that's on your plate, if not more than that. If we're if we're really delving deep into it, they're they're responsible pretty much 100 percent of everything on your plant, because without plants, flowers, trees the um, meat or the cows and stuff would not have anything to eat. And um, without the plants and stuff, we wouldn't have anything to eat. And without the plants, we wouldn't have any oxygen to breathe. The honeybee is responsible for pretty much everything that we eat on our plates. That's really incredible. Like I can just picture it, like your dinner meal brought to you by bees. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And wow, what a powerful stat that like four years after the honeybee dies, like we're out of luck. Like, I mean, so- and there, there are other insects that pollinate, ants mm-hmm. pollinate, you know, flies pollinate in a way, birds pollinate in a way, but no one does it as efficiently as the honeybee. Gotcha. So the bee is the best. Yes. Of <laughs> so what is endangering the bees? Uh, we are. Oh, humans, we're endangering them by our everyday, you know, how we go about life every day. We're spraying chemicals to make it easier for us to not have to pull weeds in our yard, or we're emitting gases from our cars. And there's just so many environments. We're building up and taking over spaces that are meant for bees to live naturally out in the wild. So humans are the major impact on bees. Um, commercial agriculture is a huge impact on bees. Um, because again, we spray chemicals to keep, you know, our plants thriving and, in those, um, commercial type growth spaces. And those are all killing the bees off. And I know that in the urban garden, like you use different alternatives instead of like the chemicals that would be used in a more industrial farming setting. Can you talk a bit about that? Like the, the flowers and. Absolutely. So um, in our farm space, when we're going to be providing the um, homeless individuals that we serve um, and feeding them in a way that is actually, you know, healing to their bodies. When we're putting chemicals on our plants to keep, you know, bugs out or keep weeds out of the space, we're not providing people with the best thing for their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the farm, we don't use anything like that. We use natural sprays. If we need to spray something, it's usually a mixture of like cayenne pepper, dish soap, vinegar, and water. Um, If we want um, to bring good bugs in that fight off the bad bugs, we plant things like calendulas and marigolds and nasturtium because those all bring in the bugs that will fight off 
the bad bugs that we don't want. We also plant things like green onions and garlic, really potent things like dill. And those also repel the bugs from the space. So yeah, we, we try to find other ways to, to grow in a more productive way. And adding bees was definitely uh, one of those practices we added. That's really cool. So um, gardening, especially urban gardening, can be a way for people to reclaim power. Mm -hmm. And um, just to give some more detail, I know you work with St. Vincent de Paul running the urban farm there. Um, so could you talk a bit more about how you've seen people be empowered through gardening and through beekeeping, like at Bay High? Gotcha. So one, when you can when you can control your food, you control your health and your fate and your longevity, right? So empowering people to be more conscious about where their food comes from and participating in growing their own food is very empowering. Um, there are people who out there who are very food insecure and not knowing where their next meal is going to come from. But if you have a garden at home, that's kind of one less thing that you have to worry about, right? So that's empowering you to take back your food sovereignty. We give too much control to government and commercial um, businesses when it comes to our health and wellness. And beekeeping um, and growing your own food is a way to take back your own power. Um, beekeeping is very empowering because one, it teaches patience. There's a lot of women that have been in my program that were very skeptical about whether they could do it or even were scared of bees. But by the time they're done with the program, they're like, oh, I can do this. And oh my God, bees are amazing. I'm not scared of them anymore. So there's that empowerment in that too. You know, there's also the empowerment within the program where we're uplifting the women. So we're not just there to teach women how to beekeep. We're also there to network, to lift each other up, to motivate each other, to support each other, love on each other, like give each other all those things that we need as women to be our best selves out in society. Because there's so much out there that's trying to stop us, you know, like, and if we get together, we can break down barriers a lot faster than we could if we did it individually. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. Can you talk a bit more about like your business? Like what is running this business like? What is the day to day like? I mean, I can only imagine, um, but I'd love to hear like your perspective on what it's like. Um, it's challenging at times. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done at times. It is you know, we all go through these like different stages when we're trying to build something that, you know, maybe hasn't been done before where you're questioning yourself. But the women in the program have taught me that, you know, like what I'm doing is so good for, you know, mm -hmm. you know, environment for them as individuals, for women as a whole. And I'll say that me starting Bayhive was something that was very challenging, but I'm always up for something challenging, mm -hmm. right? Like you can't grow if you're not challenged. You can't grow if you're not uncomfortable. And so I always try to challenge myself and put myself in uncomfortable situations because that's only going to help me grow better as a human, as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, as a sister, as a friend, you know, all of those things kind of help you with that. So I'll say Bayhive and creating ABC Mobile as a whole has been the most challenging, rewarding, uplifting, engaging, and amazing thing that I have ever done in my life. And I'm still not done. I mean, there's so much growth in the program. There's so much um, upscaling that I want to do and kind of expanding. And, you know, so it's ever growing and I'm growing with it. So it's just been amazing. I love it. That's really incredible. It sounds like 
by creating this really empowering space for other people, they've in turn empowered you. And like, what a unique environment you've been able to create with that kind of like symbiotic, like back and forth of empowerment and support. And it sounds really special. Yes, yes. And I want to give you an opportunity to, because you mentioned it, to talk a little bit about ABC Mobile, because mm-hmm. um, I totally skipped over that. And no, I would love to hear about nice. this. So you've got two business models, right? But they're under the same sort of umbrella. Right. And it's both are about beekeeping. So ABC Mobile is the business as a whole. Bayhai Beekeeping is a program underneath ABC Mobile. When I started ABC Mobile, it was like 2019, like in the very beginning of 2019 when I started putting it together. ABC stands for Agriculture, Bees, and Composting. So ABC Mobile Education Center. And it was meant to go out into the community and teach individuals like at schools, community centers, other nonprofits, how to grow their own food, how to be sustainable, how to bring in bees, how to compost and basically save the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, But during that time, COVID came out right? COVID broke through, knocked all my plans out of the water. And then I had to like rethink it because all the schools closed down. The community centers were all closed down. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, well, again, there's not very many women in beekeeping. This is something we can do outside. We can space out. It'll be safe for us. And yeah. And so then I started the beekeeping training underneath that. So um, I do want to get back into, you know, um, focusing on doing the ABC mobile part. Um, our, our whole idea was to have a bus that we gutted out and we put different stations in that, you know, t- um, touched on those different modules or different subjects and just kind of be like this fun thing that travels from place to place. And so I'm still looking for funding and a bus and, you know, some people to help me put it together. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping by um, getting these women involved in the beekeeping program that I can kind of tap into them to help me build the company as a whole and and really go out and, and get our tentacles out in these different neighborhoods and communities. Mm-hmm. Um, my real focus is like Title One and low-income neighborhoods and neighborhoods where there's community uh, communities of color because we are the most overlooked, mm-hmm. underfunded, underfed, undernourished communities and we need it the most. And so I think that by seeing someone that looks like them coming in to teach them, Mm -hmm. they'll be more open and more receptive to the information that I'm giving them. Not saying that they couldn't get that same information and engagement from, from any other culture or color, but there's something really empowering about seeing someone that look like you stand up there and say, I did this. And so that's absolutely that's yeah that's very powerful can you talk a bit more about the impact that beekeeping or how do you say it? apiculture mm-hmm. apiculture has on social issues like poverty mm-hmm. so when i think about beekeeping and how easy and kind of lucrative it is of a business i'm not saying that there's not work that you have to put into it I think that it's something that a lot of people could be doing, Mm -hmm. you know, like you could have a hive in your backyard. You can produce some honey that you sell at a farmer's market, or you could be using the wax to make soaps and things like that. And because we, we are, it's, we're in a time where we're all looking for ways to be entrepreneurs and kind of make money on our own. Like, I feel like this is like one of those areas that is overlooked in beekeeping, but is definitely something that we could be focusing on and how we can build sustainable communities through agriculture and make people more financially 
grounded, you know, by giving them even just a little, you know, trade or task that they can do on their own. Even if you are growing food at your house, let's say that um, you, Genevieve, decided to grow carrots and, you know, like this young lady here decided to grow peas and you, this young lady decided to grow cabbage. We could feed each other, right? You know, we could feed our community. We could share with each other. And, you know, it doesn't have to be anything on a grand scale, but it's something that can actually help and and take one person out of that, you know, that cycle of food insecurity or or hungriness. Like if we can do just these little things, you know, they make a big impact and they also can influence somebody else. Your neighbor might be like, oh my God, that is so great. You're growing carrots at your house. I love them. They're so good. Like, can you teach me how to do it? And then the next thing you know, their kids are growing. And so it's something that can be passed down. And I feel too, that if we get the kids when they're young, mm -hmm. then we're building those those individuals that'll like take that fight on, you know, when they're able to and like make sure that it stays relevant because I don't know about, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a, of an older generation. I have kids that are in their twenties and they are way more engaged and more like, you know, on it than we were. We're kind of just like, well, let's throw some ideas out there and see how it works. And they're like, nope, we're doing it. We're getting the people together to do it. And so I'm hoping that by doing this, that it's going to open the eyes of the younger generation and get them more involved in this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Can I dig in a little bit more? So I can imagine, and forgive me if this analogy is wrong, but like, let's say if I plant a clove of garlic, I get a bulb of garlic. What is the like, like how much space would I need to start a beehive? And like, how much honey are we talking about? Like, cause I can kind of imagine it when I think of like growing a plant. But like, I have no concept of how that relates with bees. Gotcha. So um, in the city of Phoenix, this is also very dependent on what city you live in because each city mm -hmm. has different regulations. But the city of Phoenix, you're allowed to have a hive in your backyard. Not saying you're going to be producing like tons and, you know, a million pounds of honey, but you can produce enough to, you know, throw yourself out, maybe like you know, 10 or 12 jars that you can sell at a little event or something there and make yourself a little extra money. Um, I, I do make suggestions to people not to um, harvest their honey within the first year of them getting a hive because you don't want to take all their resources. You know, you want to um, build it up before you start um, taking from it. But um, it's, it's not very hard. There's not there's not a lot that goes into it um, if you're taking care of them properly. You know, you, you keep your bees happy. They're going to keep producing and they're going to keep making more bees for you. And then you can split the hive and have two hives. And so, like, it's it's very... That's very cool. It sounds like there's a high potential for, for growth. growth. And yes. I mean, 10 or 12 jars of honey sounds like a lot of honey. Mm -hmm. So it sounds pretty great. So could you talk to us about like beekeeping as a practice a bit more, like what it's like? Like, so do you, do you go check on your bees every day? Do you like, I've seen the videos where people like scrape the caps off of the like wax mm -hmm. and so I'd just like to hear a bit more about what it's like and what people don't know that like surprises them the most in your courses. Okay. So, um, beekeeping, um, I say it, it does, it, it can be time consuming when you first get a hive. Once they're established, then it's not as invasive. You're checking your hive every two weeks. And basically you're just going in there to make sure that the queen is laying, mm -hmm. that everybody is healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. And then you back away. 
<laughs> so like uh, they don't really need us, right? Bees lived out in society forever and they're not they they know how to take care of themselves. But if if we're really trying to save them, you know, like um, making sure that you actually have training, you know what you're doing is really important. Um, but it's not a super difficult thing to do. It just takes some patience and takes a lot of observation, you know, like really being in tune to what's happening with them. Um, but it's we we check our hives every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, but during the class where we're doing these six week classes, they're checking them every week for four weeks. Gotcha. Um, during the summer months, you're not checking on them as often. And during the winter months, you're rarely checking on them. Mm-hmm. So there are like the springtime and the fall time are like your real your times where you're really engaged with your hive. Also, yeah, um, there are frames that the bees build their wax combs on. And then that's where they place their resources like the honey and the pollen and um, bee bread and things like that. Um, if you're going to harvest your honey, you would remove that cap and you would spin it out. And um, and then that's how you get your honey. So there is some time that is involved in it. Uh, but it's not so much to where like even, you know, a regular person just like, I just want to hive in my backyard. You can manage that. You know, like if you have like 10 to 12 hives, yeah, that's going to take a little more time. But one hive, anybody can do it. I love that. Are there, like, what are the kinds of problems that can happen? So you said it's fine mm-hmm. as long as the queen is there and she's laying. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have bees just, like, decide, like, it's time to move out? Like, oh, yeah. what are the issues that yeah. pop up? So environmental issues, pesticides, sprays, kill the bees. Okay. You know, you'll know you come into your bee yard, there's dead bees all around the outside of your hive, and you're like, what happened? That's most likely pesticides that have been sprayed in the area. Um, there is also, we have a problem with, uh, mites, varroa mites. Varroa mites is something that plagues a lot of, um, hives and, and they're all, there's always going to be like a little bit of mites in your hive, but controlling the amount is very important because they, um, bury themselves in the larva or the baby cells where the bees are, and then they feed on them. And so you'll be able to tell because when you look at your bees, their wings are tattered. They look deformed, you know, um, and your queen is like not going to want to lay in there because it's nasty. You know, there's <laughs> bugs in there that don't right. belong here. So um, we have that as an issue. There's also a huge issue on um, which everybody has been talking about, which is CDD, CCD, colony collapse disorder. They're still trying to figure out what that, you know, what is that, what's happening? Why does it happen? Basically, you'll come, you're high, pretty much everything will be gone except for your queen and your babies, they never leave their resources, their queens and their babies. But you go check your hive and all your bees will be gone. There will be no sign of them anywhere on the property, nowhere where you can find them. They're just gone. That happens too. Um, There's also wax moths that get into your hives too here in the valley. They will set up shop, eat through your whole comb, make it really gross inside. The bees can't fight them off. And so then they'll leave. Um, if your bees have don't have enough room, they don't have enough resources, there's no water for them nearby, and it's getting hot, they will swarm, which is happening right now. It's heating up in the valley, bees are not comfortable in their space, and they're leaving. Or there's so many of them in the hive, um, because this is a time where the queen's laying, there's not enough room, they'll say, okay, we're going to take half of you guys, half of us going to leave, the other half is going to stay here. I did two swarm captors in 24 hours in the last two days. Wow. And it's just, 
it's happening all over the valley. People get totally freaked out. They call, you know, exterminators. We're suggesting you call a beekeeper. Let us come get them and relocate them to a safe space. Yeah, that sounds really like important to keep the bees where they belong. I mean, yeah. oof, that's, I'm just still thinking about those moths actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so could you tell us like one small thing that people can do to help save the bees or one thing that people should know? Like me, like I don't have a beehive, but maybe um, there is something I can do that would be helpful and have an impact on this species. Tell your friends, neighbors, and family members not to spray pesticides. That's the biggest That's thing. That's the biggest thing you do. Don't spray pesticides. I know it sucks to pull weeds, but pull them. Mm-hmm. Pull them. Do not spray them. You're hurting so not just the bees, but other things in our environment. Even us, we're breathing that in. And there's a lot of um, components, cancer-causing components in those pesticides. Like, if you don't care about the bees, at least care about yourself and don't spray that in your yard. That's one thing that you can do. Another thing you can do is plant flowers, pollinator flowers, sunflowers, marigolds, things like that that'll bring, give them food. You know, if there's no plants for them to pollinate, they can't survive. If there's nothing for them to pull resources from, they can't survive. So um, don't spray, plant, plant some pollinator plants and put a, a water fountain in your yard if you can so that they have places to stop for water. That sounds really important. Mm-hmm. I, everybody needs water, right? Especially yes. in this desert. Absolutely. Uh, so before we wrap up, I just want to give an opportunity I'd like to hear more about what it's like as a woman of color in this industry that you've like mentioned is dominated by a lot of white men and like what advice you would give to other uh, women of color who are looking to get involved, but also like just make a space for themselves in a white men dominated field. Gotcha. What I've experienced as a black woman in this, in this field, I can't say it was necessarily a bad thing. I will say when I when I first started, I was in like groups online and every, some people seemed really friendly and open to information and other people not. What really pushed me over the edge to start a program that really engaged women of color is when I asked in the group if there were any more black beekeepers in our neighborhood or in our valley or in the group. Anyone that, you know, that I could talk to and kind of get advice from. And when I did that, it was extremely triggering to some people in the group. Um, I was harassed and, you know, like basically bullied for a couple weeks straight until it calmed down a little bit. And then I was like, okay, well, I will create an area where I can ask these questions. And there are spaces where you can ask questions like that. But, um, so people was, were offended that you were that looking I, for a space to find other like women of color, like beekeepers are women. Peri- yeah. period. It, it yeah. didn't matter, man, woman, is there are, where's the other black pe- beekeepers? Yeah. You know, and they were just like, uh, how dare you ask that question? Yeah. What does it matter what color you are? You know, you're being a bigot. And I'm like, well, no, wow. that's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do is find more black beekeepers so that we can put ourselves out there and teach other black people that. Mm-hmm. This is something we can do too. Like, yeah. it's not just what you see every time you see a documentary about beekeeping or, you know, images of beekeeper. It's never, it's rarely ever a woman and it's hardly ever a person of color. Mm-hmm. But we do this too, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, 
I won't say that I, I received, you know, there, I've had a lot of, my mentors are both white, you know, one's a white woman and one's a white male. And they've been very open and, and very engaging and very like supportive of what I'm doing because they see the importance in it as well. And so um, I think that if I'm being completely honest, once, you know, a certain person got elected, we kind of got pushed in a corner where we had to create safe spaces for ourselves. Yes. And so that's kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it, it, the environment just kind of breeded that that fire in me that was like, okay, well, if if you can't find it, then you make it for yourself. Yeah, and absolutely. And then what advice would you give to uh, young black women who are looking to start uh, their own business, whether that's in beekeeping or something else or break into an industry that doesn't have a lot of black people? Mm. Um, be the example, be the one, why not? Be the one who starts it, you know, be the one that says, you know, I don't see this, but I'm going to create it for myself. And then other people will follow you and that, and then it won't be something that we're not engaged in, that we're not doing it. Um, you just have to be the example. And then to just do it, come up with a plan, girl, get it together, go out there and get your money. Nobody, these men are here are not worried about any of the things that we're worried about when it comes to us making a way for ourselves. They push their way through. We need to do it too. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, I don't want to get into like this whole like, I mean, thing, you can. But, <laughs> you know, like women, we, we are the nurturers of this planet. We are the caretakers of this planet. We are the mother of the mothers of the human race. And if we aren't the example, if we're not leading, if we're not put up there to to um, to influence and engage others, then it's not going to work for anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, eventually the system will break down if we are not included, um, because men like to lead with brute force. We like to lead with understanding and nurturing. And that's something that we need right now in this time in society is more nurturing more loving, more engaging each other, more lifting each other up, like more of sisterhood. Like, I don't care what color, race, culture you are. Sisterhood is important. You know, cross those lines, build with each other and and throw your ideas out there to your friends and find some women, a group of women that, you know, that, that have your back in it. I could not do this work if it wasn't for my best friends, my sisters, you know, and other women out in the community saying, yeah, girl, get this done. Mm -hmm. and helping me do it. So if there's something that you want to do, I don't care what it is, put together a plan, get other people involved, other women involved, and y'all work it out mm -hmm. and get it done because you can do whatever you want to do. Women are the most strongest and amazing creatures on this planet. And there is nothing in this world that we cannot do if we don't put our mind to it. So girl, just do it. What incredible words to end on. Thank you so much. I feel so like in like invigorated by this conversation and like powered and i'm just so happy that we got to have you here today so thank you nika thank you genevieve you're amazing I i'm so glad when you invited me because you you've come and volunteered at the farm with me and during a time where there is nobody you know like there's days where it's just me and you out there and we're doing our thing and so to have you invite me here and see what you're doing too is so amazing i love that there's all women sitting around this table and yeah, girls get it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Voices of Colibri. Subscribe for updates and stay tuned for our next episode.
Learn more at thecolibricollective.com.